Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm going to start by praying for us, um, and then we'll get into Romans 8. Uh, so let's join with you in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this morning that we can come here together, and we um, thank you for our church family. Just pray that you help us now to um, help us to understand uh, from your word from Romans 8. And your son's name we pray. Amen. Um, I grew up in Hong Kong, um, in a place called Hong Kong, and I moved to Australia when I was 14 years old in year 2000, uh, in the year of the Sydney Olympic Games. I knew some English back then as I learned in Hong Kong. I started high school uh, in a school called the Janani High School uh, in year eight, um, term three, year eight, in the Sutherland Shire, and I started a new life in Australia. In 2004, I finished my HSC, and I got a conditional early entry offer into the Bachelor of Computer Science at Wollongong Uni. At the beginning of 2005, an important event took place. My mum, uh, my sister, and myself on the screen, uh, we became Australian citizens. We attended a citizenship ceremony in Bankstown Town Hall, and we took the pledge to become Australian citizen. In the photo is um, the mayor of Bankstown at the time, um, Helen Westwood. Uh, we took the ceremony and we to sing the national anthem, and then pledge, um, took the citizenship pledge. Before our ceremony, though, uh, we had to attend an interview at the immigration office in Parramatta. During that interview, we were asked uh, a few questions that highlighted the obligations in becoming an Australian citizen, because with privilege also comes responsibilities. Things such as voting, and she asked, also asked us about jury duty, that we need to serve on jury if we were ever caught up. One of the privileges I've got to enjoy not long after becoming a citizen was hacks. I started my degree two weeks later, and as a citizen, I got to use hacks to pay for my tuition fees. Very um, convenient. Having said that, I was still the same person that I was. I was still Michael. I still had the same group of friends, worked the same job, went to the same church, and had the same, church, um, same family. But I also have a new identity as an Australian citizen. I could participate in elections. I have access to certain privileges that's available only to citizens like hacks, and, but I'm also required to honor Australian values. It was a new chapter of my life for me. I have a new identity and pledged to a new allegiance. In our talk on Romans this term, we heard how Paul declares that the human race is utterly, utterly sinful, and not one person is good in God's eyes. Sin brings death, and last we heard from Stuart that we can't serve two masters. Either we are slaves to sin, or we are slaves to Christ. There's no in-between. There's no sitting on the fence. It is one way or the other. In our passage today, in chapter 8, Paul begins with an emphatic, yet a very comforting message. In verse 1 he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The therefore there is summing up Paul's arguments so far from chapters 5 to chapter 8, where he's been arguing that we can't serve two masters. There are now no condemnation for those who serve Jesus. Imagine what those words will bring for prison in death row, the word condemnation. What would that bring to a prisoner in death row? If it just say to them, 
now there's no condemnation for you. Would they feel relieved, disbelief, fair, or unfair? Anthony Hinton from Alabama, America, he was held on death row for 28 years because he was wrongly convicted for two murders that he didn't commit. His word was, for all who said they believe in justice, this is the case that proves it is true. For Hinton, it was belief, it was fair, it was just. Yet for the whole human race, you and I included, we are on death row for a crime that we did commit, for sinning against God, for rebelling against Him. We are justly condemned for repeatedly breaking God's law, but through Jesus' death and resurrection, God has declared us not guilty, and God has offered us freedom from sin. See, there are two laws that govern the human race, the law of the Spirit or the law of sin and death. Our law highlights the ugly side of human sins. It emphasizes the, of the things that we shouldn't do. No one can obey the law all the time. What were some of the first words you've learned or your kids learned? It is no. That's right. Maybe we don't break the big one like murder, like fraud or assault. But I think we break the little ones. For example, this, the speeding, a speeding ticket that comes to your mail, the sinking feeling that you have when you open up the envelope and saw that. Maybe we park over the limit. Maybe we download movie music illegally. We lie to other people, being rude to them. God demands us to be perfect all the time. A sin is a sin. And sin leads to death and condemnation. As Paul has argued so passionately in chapter 4, the law is powerless to save. It condemns us, but it is no use to save us. It can't save us from our sin because we are by nature sinful. But those who are in Christ Jesus, those who are in Jesus, are under a new law, the law of the Spirit. It's like a plane. Um, this is the biggest plane in the world. Uh, it's the Antonov AN-225. It's bigger than the A380. Um, there's only one sample, example in the world. We've never seen this before. Um, it weighs about 640 tons, heavier than the A380. So this plane, when it's on the ground, it is under the law of gravity. It's very heavy, it's not going to go anywhere. Yet when it's in air, the law of aerodynamic takes over with drag and lift and thrust and weight. It allows it to flow in air and to fly because it is under a new law. Those who are in Jesus Christ are under the new law, the law of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave us life. He gave us new life in Jesus. It is only possible because our sin has been punished and paid for. Look at verse 3 with me and see how Paul describes Jesus. He said, For the law is powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. 
See, Jesus is fully human and fully God. He isn't just looking like a human, whereas Paul would have said, like as a flesh, or he's sinful in sinful flesh. Rather, Jesus, his humanity is sinless in the likeness of sinful flesh. He's like one of us in a sense that he's fully human, but he's also fully God, meaning he's sinless at the same time. Let's have a look at verse 4 with me. Continue on. Paul said, And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Jesus died as a sacrifice for our sin. Now, in the Old Testament, animals are sacrificed in place of humans for their sin because God takes our sin very, very seriously. The punishment for sin is death, and the animals took our place. But the animals couldn't remove sin because the people sinned again and again and again. Yet Jesus being the sinner's sacrifice, he died in our place, and his death satisfied the righteous requirement of the law once and for all. Because Jesus perfectly obeyed the law on our behalf, so that through his death and resurrection, we're no longer under the law of sin and death. A new law has taken over, and a new chapter of our life has begun. See, not everyone is operating under this new law, the law of the Spirit. Only those who are in Jesus, only those who are living according to the Spirit. As Paul continued in verse 4, he says, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Only those who trust in Jesus are given a new life in Him. And so, there are now no condemnation for them. So then, we're given the Holy Spirit, People in the world are governed, they have two mindsets, the flesh and the spirit. You see, mindset doesn't just mean their actions or just their words or the way they interact with other people. It covers the whole being of a person, every moment, every part of their life, which includes their actions, the words, their thoughts, everything they do. It's like a control center. It's like a CPU of a computer. It's like the bridge of a ship or the mission control center the space center. It's like the command center. It's like the core of a person. And the flesh here refers to our sinful nature, the nature that all humans are born with. See, Paul here is referring to the non-believers, those who are not saved, the unsaved sinners. The Spirit here refers to the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Christians. Let's see how Paul, how he contrasts the two. Those who are governed by the flesh, their own sinful desires, what it means is they're hostile to God. What it means is they're incompatible with God. When two things aren't compatible, you can't do anything to try to make it work. For example, when you go overseas on a, for a holiday or a business trip, you bring your passport and also your phone charger with you. To charge your tablet, to charge your phone, your laptop. As you know, if you go overseas, every country has a different type of plug. And if you bring your Australian plug with you, it's not really compatible with the overseas PowerPoint. You can try to plug it in, sort of push it in, you can force it in, but no matter how hard you try, how hard you try to squeeze it in, it won't fit because it isn't compatible. 
you need an adapter to make it work. Likewise, the mind is governed by the flesh. By our sinful desires, it is not compatible with God because it doesn't submit to God's law. And as a result, it can't please God, and so it doesn't belong to Christ. And there's no middle ground. You can't just sit on the fence and say, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but I'm a nice person. Paul is very clear here, you're either a Christian or you're not. If you're not, then you're hostile to God. You're enemies of God, one who doesn't submit to God's law. As you remember in Romans chapter 1, 18 to 32, where Paul was arguing that the whole world, every human being, they are willfully suppressing the truth about God. They're knowingly not following God. And so non-Christians cannot and will not obey God, and they're incapable of pleasing Him. It doesn't mean they can't do good things either. It doesn't mean they're not nice, but God is not after us just being nice. God is not just after us to do good things. God wants us to be perfectly obedient to Him and put our trust in Him always and to put Jesus as our Lord and Savior and to serve Him. And so Paul is saying that those who are governed by their flesh, they are sinful and corrupted. And that includes all of us. We're all, we were all in this state at one stage before Jesus came and offers a way out of condemnation. Before we turn to him, we're all like that. The other type of people are those who are governed by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Their mindset, what the Spirit decides, God's Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit in verse 5. And Jesus described the Spirit as this in John 15. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you to all the truth. But the Spirit leads us to life and to peace, to new life in him, eternal life in Jesus Christ forever and ever. It's about the peace of knowing God, knowing that he's in control, knowing that he will do what is best for us. And so those who have the Holy Spirit, they belong to Christ. All Christians of the Holy Spirit, from the moment they turn to Christ, and become a Christian. So when somebody becomes a Christian and turns to Jesus, they have the Holy Spirit straight away. They don't get it at the later day. They don't get the Spirit at the later day. But the Spirit is living in him. They have the Holy Spirit the moment they become a Christian. And the arrival of the Holy Spirit gives them a new identity. So they're now operating a new law. The old is gone, and the new is here. The Spirit gives us new life because of righteousness. What it means is we are made righteous because of forgiveness through Jesus and through justification through faith alone. We've done nothing to deserve it, but it's entirely based on God's grace and our faith. Now that the Spirit is living in us, our mind has been transformed, but we still have this mortal, imperfect, and sinful body. Under the Holy Spirit, we want to follow God and live His way. Yet our bodies will do the opposite. There's a constant struggle. As Jesus said to His disciples, when He went to pray and come back and found them, were asleep. He said, the Spirit is ruling, but the flesh is weak. But there's a great promise for us in verse 11. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body because of His Spirit lives in you. See, Paul is pointing 
to a resurrection of the body for both Jesus and us. So our body, while it's not perfect, will get a perfect body the last day in heaven. Our forgiveness and reconciliation with God was just the first fruit. The spirit that's now living in us is only just the beginning. Like the Bunnings Ed, who the song says, lowest prices are just the beginning. And so the Holy Spirit only just the beginning of the Christian life. It is not the end. Our justification is only the beginning of the Christian life. It is not the end. Justification took place when we turned to Jesus. From that moment on, we are justified because of his death on the cross. But it is not the end. It's only just the beginning. The next step is what we call sanctification. It is the ongoing transformation to be more and more godly in both our thoughts, our words, and deeds. It's about the Spirit changing us to change the way we act, change the way we think, and change the way we speak. Justification is the moment we turn to Jesus. Our sins taken away, it is instantaneous. It happens in a moment. But sanctification is ongoing. It ends the day we die and go to heaven. It, can be, it could be a long journey for some. It could be a short journey for some. But either way, it is worth it. And Paul goes on to say why it is worth it, to why it is worth the struggle and worth persevering. Because Paul then tells us what's to come and how we should respond to the Holy Spirit that's been given to us and what our obligation is in verse 12, where he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. Our allegiance and our obligation has changed. We went from the flesh to the earthly desire to the Holy Spirit to what God desires. And there's one thing we need to do, which is to put to the death the misdeeds of the body. But that doesn't mean we're saved by works because we are already saved. We are already saved. Jesus' death and resurrection and justification comes first. We are saved first. Then we give the Holy Spirit. We now have a renewed mind, a new mindset. We must get this order right. We are not saved by works, but by grace alone. Paul here is describing the constant struggle we have here on earth. Our mind have the new spirit living in us. The Holy Spirit, he is living in us. Yet our body is a fallen body. It's corrupted by sin, and it wants to continue to live in sin. Our church value, you can see, is that new, living new life for Jesus, it calls to be faithful, adventurous, compassionate, and enduring Christian. I'll bring your focus today on being faithful and on enduring Christian. We need to be faithful to God, but we also need to be an enduring Christian to run this race. We need to put to death the misdeeds of the body. It's a serious spiritual battle. The Spirit will help us to become godly as we grow, and this battle will be worth it. There will be struggle, there will be difficulty along the way, but God is there for us because His Spirit is living in us. We're not slaves anymore to sin. And our relationship with God has been taken to a new level. What's ahead of us is a glorious future. We are no longer slaves to sin, where we once were. 
But now through the Holy Spirit, we have been adopted by God and we have become His children. Adoption um, is a Roman practice but in the Bible time where a man could formally confer on a child all the legal rights of a birth child. It is uncommon, but it is one of the most sacrificial, loving things one can do for a child. Because it gives the adopted child access to the family and offering the unconditional love as they would to a birth child. Through the Holy Spirit, we are now children of God. We are now heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Our suffering here on earth, all the things we have to face with, are only temporary. Because as heirs of God, we have access to inheritance. And this inheritance is the glory of God when God will rule over the whole world for eternity in a new heaven and a new earth where there's no more pain and suffering, where everything will make perfect. Revelation 21, um, verse 4, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, tells us this, tells us what life will be like in heaven, in this new heaven and new earth with God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This is the inheritance we will receive. We will receive eternal life in the new heaven and the new earth. This is our new identity as God's children. It is found in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Our new allegiance then is to God. God, our loving Heavenly Father, where we can cry, Abba, Father. It translates as Daddy. It's a very personal term that only a child that is fully trusting his father will be able to say. Yet through the Holy Spirit, we have been adopted as God's children. Before we finish off today, I want to ask you a few questions from our church values. On being a faithful Christian, how will you say your apprenticeship to Jesus is going? And on enduring, where are you weak and in danger of falling? And who knows you well enough to ask this question? The Spirit is there for us. God is there on our side. And God calls us to be a faithful and enduring Christian. I'll finish off with a reminder of the beautiful song we sang before, and can it be, where it says, No condemnation, now I dread. Jesus, and all in Him is mine. Alive in Him, my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Let me pray. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that through Jesus Christ under death, you have saved us. You have saved us from our sin. And through his death and resurrection, we're no longer slaves to sin, but now we are your children. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Spirit that helps us to live your way, that helps us, the Spirit that points us to you. And we pray that of the many difficulties and suffering we have here on earth, of the struggle that we hear on earth, we pray that you help us to put our mind firmly on you. And we pray that through the Holy Spirit, you help us to persevere and to live for you day after day. Please help us to be a faithful and enduring Christian. 
And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Um, if you get uh, your Can Connect card, um, if you're new here, um, we'd love to hear from you. Can you can write your name down there and to say to us you're new here? If you'd like to have a pastor visit or to get detail, you can also do so on a Can and Connect card. Um, if you have any prayer points, we'd love to pray for you. Um, Stuart, Jeff, Laura, and myself, we meet on every Monday and we pray over those cards. We'd love to pray for you as well. And if you're new here, um, you can um, you can bring on information on the new news afternoon tea, which I announced before. But also, I'd love to see you in our live group, uh, our church of different live groups, where we do live together around God's word. We can uh, really put into a live group where we can get to know one, one another better and to study God's word together. And we don't have a bulletin in our church because we have an online newsletter. If you haven't received one already, you'd like to receive one, you can uh, put your email address down and then you will get our weekly newsletter. You can find out a lot more about what's happening in our church, more than just one thing you should know. And at the end of the service, you can uh, put this card in the little box behind on the table where the bubbles are, um, and then we'll collect it and we'll keep in touch with you. Let's spend the next few moments and we'll write this card together.